Hi, this is Mr. Beefy Goodness Vance Nevada, and you are listening to WPOB Global. Hey fans, welcome back to another edition of WPOV Global. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. With me, my two co-hosts, Elio the Gentleman Canella. Elio, say hello. What's going on? And our other friend, Ant the Liberated. What's happening, gang? Well, you know what, guys? Uh, Wow, we were just talking about this before we went on. Now, last week was a crazy week, but man, crazy doesn't even describe the amount of crazy shit this week was all about. Oh, I don't understand. You know what? We're a wrestling show and we're not going to get too far into some of this, but man, there is a lot of crazy and sad shit going on right now. And I don't even know where to begin. And, and, and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. Um, I know, and this has been, uh, you, you told me this has been an emotional times for you. And as, as being your neighbors in the North, we don't actually participate much in the actual things going on. That's you guys are seeing, but just tell me what's going on down there and, and, and what you're seeing. Um, so pretty much every state in the United States has uh, displayed some sort of protest or stance against what happened with uh, George Floyd, as well as the overall racism, uh, police brutality, and bigotry that the uh, Black slash African-American community has been a target of. Of course, some have been peaceful, Others not so much, um, you know, just seeing some of the violence that is taking place, uh, destruction of property, things of that nature, and make no mistake about it, I understand the frustration, I understand the anger, you know, almost to a point where I wanted to participate, but then it's like, for what? Because none of these things are going to bring back George Floyd or Trayvon Martin or you know, any of the people that were victims of senseless violence from law enforcement. So if we're going to protest, if we're going to take a stance, let's do so peacefully. And more importantly, let's do so at the polls come election season. Excellent. Excellent. You know, it's, it's very sad. I, uh, Elio, I, I don't know. I know Toronto, there was a, a big demonstration. Uh, um, uh, an African-American lady uh, was uh, accidentally killed in an apartment in Toronto, fell like out of the 40th floor. And that also during this whole time sparked a whole bunch of things about the police. Has that mm-hmm. been affecting you guys very much in your side of the world there? Um, so it's not as much as like uh, all the stuff going on down in the US, but um, it's been uh, somewhat, yeah, a little affected somewhat. It's so weird, you know, it's, I am so, at one point, I'm very glad that people around the world, not just the United States, are also, I've seen a whole bunch of pictures today, a friend had posted up from uh, people like all around the world, Auckland, New Zealand, uh, Rome, Italy, uh, Poland, people protesting this whole thing everywhere, you know, proclaiming Black Lives Matter everywhere. And um, that's touching. And I hope, you know, I, the cynic in me wants to say, well, this is, is this too little too late? I hope not. Mm-hmm. I hope this is, I hope, and I'm not saying I'm hoping that the violence is the beginning, but I'm hoping that the, that this is in the forefront right now. 
that this is this this that this stays in the forefront that this just isn't this week's uh, news cycle and then next week the media directs us to something else and takes the emphasis away because this is a serious problem that's been festering for years and years and yes the epicenter is in the U.S. but I would be a liar if I did, if I told you that there was no racism in Canada. I would I'd be a liar if I didn't tell you that uh, especially the indigenous people here are treated extremely poor and we do have a, a systematic uh, history of destroying them. I'd be a liar. It's in our history books. You know, that stuff's out there. Uh, and just about every country in this world. Uh, ever, <laughs> when I went to Australia, I thought it would be cool to meet some Aboriginals. There aren't very many Aboriginals left in Australia at all. Mm. I went to the Aboriginal Cultural Centre all housed by white Australians because there is no one else to work these things. The only Aboriginals I found were down by the, the beach selling uh, those things they blow, you know, uh, diggery doos and all those things. The little, that was the it. little conch shells or whatever they're called. No, no, it's like a giant tube thing and they, they oh. make noises and stuff like that. Oh. But I mean, that's all the Aboriginals I could find in that entire continent when I was there. And this is a, a, a problem that seems to be happening and has happened all through history. There's always a, a ruling class, which seems to be a predominantly a lighter skin that takes power and systematically destroys everyone not of light skin. And we think we live in this age right now. We're like, oh, there's, oh, we're not racist people. And yet it's in all our jargon. It's in all our movies. It's in all everything we do. And it's become so ingrained that it becomes, you do it and you don't even realize it. You say things that put people down and you don't even realize it because, you know, you, it's easy to say, well, I don't feel that way and it's just a joke, so it's okay. But is it? <laughs> I don't, I, I'm starting to really doubt that. I'm starting to question that because that sort of thing is where we are today, where we're watching a nation uh, in serious jeopardy right now. A president who's going to call upon rolling out soldiers to quell his own people. Yeah, National Guards. So, I don't know. I just know that right now, guys, I, I can say this is, is wrestling. Use that as an example. Wrestling here. We got a wrestling mm. world. This is, we're linked together in our love of combat sports and wrestling. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'd like to think that if I ran into Ant somewhere at a wrestling show, I'd still made friends with him and, and know him, not just because, uh, you know, we were miles away and we got hooked up by a team, but I'd like to think, you know, I talk with him a lot and, uh, you know, he's a good guy in my things. He's my friend. And I like to think that it doesn't matter that, that uh, he's African American and I'm not, you know, but it's a sad state of affairs that there are many people who don't feel that way. And, uh, (sighs) I don't know if there's any solutions, but something has to be done. Whether it be as little as everyone of every race and color going and voting and having their voice heard, or if it's to the other extreme where these things have, protests have to happen. I don't know. I'm just in shock of it all. And I'm just sitting back knowing that something has to happen because man, the balloon has been stretched. It's ready to break. And hopefully it breaks on the side of good and not on the side of a lot of mess. So, you know what? Let's get into talking a bit about uh, some wrestling. (laughs) This is a wrestling (laughs) show. Um, Let's face it, eh? This our world's been it's been dominated by. Obviously, this stuff is uh, oppressive and and horrible enough that it's 
kind of taken over our thoughts a little bit. Yeah, but it also bleeds over into the world of wrestling. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. We're going to talk about that in a second, but uh, let's first of all open up our hot topic of the week. The hot topic of the week uh, was something that we touched upon a little bit, guys, last week, but uh, let's just expound on it again. And because the reason I brought this up is um, there were a lot of people on lots of wrestling forums who really had a problem with this. When we talked about it, we just sort of went over it. And I don't think, I don't think we, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe one of us or two of us thought differently, but I didn't see the connection or problem. It didn't pop in my head. And what we're talking about is during the empty arena match that AEW had last week, there was a scene where uh, loud and loud and proud. No, is that what they're called? Loud and proud. Pride and pride and power. Proud and proud. Santana and Ortiz. Santana and Ortiz. Take take uh, Matt Hardy throw him into this pool that's by the thing and they continually try and drown him and then there is a part where he's laying there floating like he's dead they hop out and said ah count him referee he's dead you know and they walk away but then he gets out of course right now Mm -hmm. i i thought that was slightly distasteful maybe a little bit that they portray a guy you know that they're yeah but nowhere in my mind did i ever connect that with shad gaspard which a lot of people did. Okay. Now, before we get into talking about this, I want the people to understand one thing here. This match was in fact shot before the accident tragedy happened. It was actually recorded on uh, May 22nd. Right. Now it happened days before that Mm -hmm. happened. However, they still aired it knowing people's feelings about this and it was a bit distasteful to have somebody, a wrestler drown after that's still fresh in people's mind. I get that. I would like to put forward to say, I do not think for one minute that AEW was trying to play on the tragedy of that or make some kind of statement or some kind of lewd backhand about it. But I'm going to say they could have maybe been a little more sensitive about it. Ant, what do you think of this? So I did associate it with Shad Gaspard when I saw it. I mean, just looking at the timing of which things took place. Let's say Shad Gaspar didn't pass. Mm-hmm. Um, AEW averages what? Anywhere between 500 to 600,000 viewers per week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the pay-per-view buy rate is right now, as in how many people actually bought the pay-per-view and watched it. But let's just say... <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Everyone else got it for free on there. <laughs> Sorry. Let's just say, I don't know, 30,000 people watched. Because I'm the type of guy to try to look at the broad picture and, and the broader scope of things, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere within that watching population of the pay-per-view that some of them had tragic deaths as a result of a drowning or witnessed a tragic death as a result of a drowning and it could have touched the nerve for them. So even if Shad Gaspard didn't die the way he did, I mm-hmm. still think it was tasteless for AEW to do what they did because you just don't know what type of, you know, uh, how many people's nerves you could have uh, struck with that. Okay, Elio? So I think, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I agree with that. Like, uh, but also I think they could have actually just like done without that whole spot 
altogether. Okay. I don't think they really needed that spot. I mean, they could have came up with the other creative ways. Like, I mean, they freaking uh, threw Bad Hardy into uh, into that ice box in that one okay. match on Dynamite. Like, I think they could have probably came up with other creative ways to do a spot if they really wanted to. Okay. Now, before we go into that viewer mail about it, okay, mm -hmm. I want to throw something out to you two guys that I honestly didn't know until after this fact. Okay. And then I read up a bit about it. And I don't know, I'm not going to say it justifies it, but it explains why that spot happened, okay? okay? Now, in a little bit of investigation, there's always been, I guess, with Matt Hardy and his character here, the whole broken and Damascus and all this garbage, that he carries a thing called the healing waters of blah, blah, blah. So the storyline here was he supposedly snuck in ahead, filled it with, filled the pool with the healing water. That's why he had to drown so Damascus would be revived into the thing. Now, mm. The lake, of, the, lake, the lake of yeah, it's the lake of reincarnation. Right. So to yeah. me, I get what at least the storyline was was they legitimately had to make it seem like he was going to drown so that the healing waters would bring back the character. Doesn't excuse that it might be a poor <laughs> idea for a story or maybe not sensitive, but it's not like they just went in and said, "Okay, let's just do something." You know. Screw everyone else who's ever drowned in their lives. or You know what I mean? So I, I don't know if that changes your guys' opinion at all or, or softens it, but I, I kind of get, because let's face it, how many times have people thought, you know what, we got to stick with the story. We kept out a story. Maybe it'll justify the story in the end. And maybe it doesn't. But at least they went in there without the intent of anything bad. And it was part, in my mind, at least it was, let's forget it. It's, it was stupid shit. I mean, watching him jump up how many times in different, you know, believe he changed underwater how many times, and then at the end believe he's revived by this thing. But on the flip side, all this shit Matt Hardy does is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and all this crap of changing and blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah. Uh, just all of it is garbage to me, but at least he's owning his garbage. True. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, why don't we head over to the, uh, Leo, I believe we had uh, a few people answer. We do, we actually had uh, four comments uh, on the main page. Uh, okay, Rick Serrano III said, they could have done without the he's dead, as Rebby Hardy has mentioned. Hardy was always using water. I wholeheartedly believe it was overlooked for that purpose. Maybe next time just mute the last line. Okay. Matt Novak says, I know it was filmed before the news of Shad, but surely they must have thought to edit out some of their comments. Not sure leaving Hardy face down in the pool was in the best taste while shouting he's dead. Okay, all I want to say is Matt Novak, love your comment, but quit calling me Shirley. It's it's TJ. Okay, go on. <laughs> all right, so uh, uh, Sefton Cousins Thomas says, just imagine how much worse people reaction would be if it was the WWE that did a spot like that. No, they just have more fans watching. <laughs> and Kenny, Kenny Gephardt just responds with exactly what I was going to comment. Okay, okay. Um, now, let's be honest here now. Ant, yep. after I've told you that that was the story they were writing about the reincarnation of the Damascus thing, does it at all soften the idea or maybe does it change anything or do you think that was just still tasteless and they shouldn't have done it? still think it's tasteless again okay. on the strength that there are some wrestling fans who lost loved ones as a result of drowning or 
mm -hmm. I'm almost comfortable in saying that some have experienced such a tragic death. So it's okay. a bit dangerous to go that route. Now, of course, AEW didn't blatantly say we're going to do this and we don't care what people think of it. But I just think, you know, got to use better discretion moving forward. Okay. okay. I, I, I also read that uh, AEW wasn't even thinking. Uh, they, I didn't even put the two things together when so they just uh, did it. They did it like uh, beforehand, but uh, still, uh, I don't think it was. Uh, it was. Uh, I think it, they couldn't have done without it. Okay, um, I'm gonna say I agree with both sides of this. Okay, yeah, but we also have to ask ourselves one question. You guys don't have to answer this. I just want you guys to think about it. Okay. Um, in our push to make storylines more realistic to make it a push of, of a story somewhere, where do we draw the line on following through with a story? Because when you think about it, a lot of the stories that we have in wrestling are all kind of based on real life things, betrayals, betrayals of marriage, um, a jealousy and anger to kill. Do we download, the, do we stop doing that sort of thing because people have been divorced, because people have been killed other people over things? Where do we draw the line between the thing? I don't know. I'm not going to say I'm taking either side in this, really. I see both points, and I feel saddened. And for all the people who may have been hurt or this really threw a loop at or just felt bad about, I feel sorry for you. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry that that happened to these people. And on the flip side, too, um, I get the idea of writers trying to follow through with a story. So it's a, it's, it's a tough thing. And I guess this is something we're going to deal with going forward, especially now that AEW and WWE seem to think that they're making movies <laughs> every now and then. And they're going to write us stories and whatnot. And uh, so as that's happening, we're going to come across this where something else is going to happen, where it's going to outrage some and not others. And we're going to have to decide in the future, where do we draw the line in wrestling of what we can portray and what we should portray? It's all, is it a matter of just taste or is this something we should de decide as a collective? And people keep crying that they want the end to their back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh brother. Okay, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, I just wanted to take a quick uh, point over here of uh, a post that occurred. They'll be discussing this this week in uh, WPOV Wrestling. Um, it was a post done by a current WWE wrestler um, Jackson Riker. Jackson Riker. Okay. And uh, I'm just trying to find the exact quote. Uh, he had a series, he posted up on his page. He put thankful for the POTUS. And for those people who, this word just seems to have come out of nowhere in the last while thing. You know, I noticed that as a Canadian. I know it's been around as a term, but all of a sudden it's become a very popular term yeah. to refer to as the president's. Yep. Uh, but it, it's not that old that it's been in the popular culture. So, I know what it is, but it just seems weird in the last two years we hear the word POTUS a lot. Yeah. Um, thank you for the POTUS, who, of course, is referring to Donald Trump. We have God Bless America, Built of Freedom, Forgotten No More. Yeah, with that stupid wrestling catchphrase. If that's uh, how, why, why he did that, then... Okay. Now, the problem I have with this, guys, the problem I have with this is, okay, you know what? If Jackson Riker is a Donald Trump supporter through and through, yep. okay... He takes, he's taking a stand and there's going to be people who are going to disagree with that. Fine. What I have a problem with is putting your shitty cat phrase out there in the middle of a real problem. Mm -hmm. 
there are people getting hurt, there's violence happening, there are riots going on, uh, there are people uh, hurt, confused, and angry, and you're going to take this time to put your pathetic, shitty uh, catchphrase. Which is not even a memorable catchphrase anyways. Well, this is also a C-grade team, as I've talked about before, yeah. the Forgotten Sons is a mm -hmm. shitty team, yep. who are only where they are because everyone else is sick, so there's not many teams they can deal with are not i should say sick but they don't have availability of a lot of wrestlers mm -hmm. so it's the same reason why best friends get to be on tv every week they just happen to be hanging out down there so um i have a problem with uh him taking a fake wrestling catchphrase and applying it to something real that was my uh my whole problem with this is that's what de this is what uh demoralizes and takes down something important okay if you think Black Lives Matter and you want to say that, that's awesome, okay? If you think all lives matter and you want to say it, well, that's your opinion, right? Those are real life terms. But if I was to say Black Lives Matter and then tag my shitty ass tag team fake wrestling thing to it, I've done nothing but demean what the real message is. I've deflected the realness of something going on and I've made it a joke because let's face it, we know the things in wrestling aren't real. The Forgotten Sons aren't a bunch of bikers who wander around and whatever. Okay? They're only forgotten because they're too shitty of a tag team to be any well good. <laughs> yep. Okay? They're forgotten booking is what they should be. But that is the problem I had with it. And I, and I wrote that. And the only problem I had was some idiot who uh, wrote in that this guy is a vet and he has the right to say whatever he wants and blah, blah, blah. Yes. You know what? It's important that we have veterans and important that we, we, uh, we uh, give them their, their due diligence and make them a part of our, our society as equals as we all should be. Right. But just as I don't have the right to say hateful things or stupid things or disturbing shitty things, either do veterans. Just because you're a veteran doesn't mean you get to stand up and talk like a racist. I think that doesn't cut it anywhere. Not with me, not with anybody. Everyone is supposed to be equal. Just because you served our country, yes, you are equal and you'll be treated just like everyone else. And we thank you and honor you for what you've done for us, but it doesn't give you a, a, a race card to play whenever you want because you serve. So that is what I had, that, that, that guy bringing that kind of garbage up. So like I said, I just don't want to sound too political, but how can we have freedom and fairness if we even elevate anybody above anything, right? That's all I'm going to say about that. So you know what, guys? Uh, we're going to go to our first break. Um, as you know, our part of three shows here at, uh, at our network. We have uh, WPOV Wrestling, which you can catch. Uh, I don't even remember. You know what? You can catch us once a week on WPOV Global. You can catch WPOV Wrestling, which talks all WWE stuff. And Ant the Liberated has his own show also. We're talking about double duty. This guy's double duty. Is he getting double paid? You better not be getting double paid, buddy. Um, <laughs> Although maybe, you know, you do put in an awful lot of work. So <laughs> we also have the MMA POV show. So um, if you uh, have any kind of questions about any of the three shows, if you want to know anything that hopefully we could answer, any kind of questions that you may have, uh, Elio, tell the people where they could write. All right. So we can be said Facebook uh, Wrestling POV Podcast, on Instagram Wrestling POV 1, and on Twitter at Wrestling POV. Excellent. And also, I believe, Ant, you also uh, have a, another extra thing people can write into? That is correct. In addition to Wrestling POV on Facebook, we can also be found on 
Twitter and Instagram at MMA POV Podcast. Excellent. Okay, folks, we have this week a uh, interview with a uh, with a Canadian legend wrestler uh, by the name of Vance Nevada, Mr. Beefy Goodness, as most people know him across uh, Canada. Uh, we're going to take. We, we've actually have. Uh, we took his interview and we split it into two pieces. Here's the first half of that interview. When we come back, the three of us are going to be talking a little bit about AEW Dynamite and. Uh, We'll see you guys after the break. Hi, fans. It's a legend, T. James Logan again. Here we are on Global talking with another wrestler. I found a guy who's not only a wrestler, but an author. We're talking about a name well-known across Western Canada and into Central Canada, and maybe even a bit into Canada itself. We're talking about Vance Nevada. Vance, welcome to the show. Mr. Logan, I, I take objection to your introduction right off the top because you're not just talking to another wrestler. You're talking to probably one of the greatest wrestlers to ever grace the ring in Canada. One of the guys with the longest careers uh, of anyone, right up there with the likes of Gene Kaniski and Don Leo Jonathan, Mr. Beefy Goodness, Vance Nevada. And it is indeed your distinct pleasure to have me on your program. Well, you know what, uh, Vance? Let, let, one thing out of the way, you've always had a record for being one of the most active wrestlers. You have under your belt, in your career, probably more matches than most Canadian wrestlers will ever even get. Yeah, the, the industry has certainly changed. And I think if you look at uh, guys who are very active right now, even if they were wrestling every single weekend, uh, you know, they're going to wrestle 52 matches a year. If they're lucky, maybe they can do double shots every weekend, 104 matches a year. Uh, but you go back in time, you know, when wrestling companies were touring, uh, 100 matches a year was a slow year. Uh, and, you know, during, during my career, uh, you had matches, uh, years where it was like 144 matches in a year, uh, and did that very actively, uh, wrestled for 20 years, uh, coast to coast. I I've lost count of how many times back and forth across Canada that I've been. Um, and it, it's the type of schedule that is going to be hard to replicate, but as both as a wrestler and as a promoter now. Well, you know, uh, to be honest, there's just not a lot of places besides the WWE or a, well, not even a WWE that actually consistently tours. So uh, that whole, do you miss that bygone era by any chance? You know, I think it's, uh, I do miss the opportunities to travel uh, extensively because there are certainly a lot of Canada uh, where I spent most of my career uh, opportunities to visit communities that for you, you'd have no other reason uh, to visit. And particularly, I'm thinking about some of the, the northern tours where we would go up over the frozen lakes in the middle of winter into these communities uh, and, and see the conditions of people living in Canada where uh, some of these First Nations communities, in particular the Indigenous people, are living in third world conditions. And this is a condition that we created uh, mm -hmm. as a Canadian society. Uh, if not for wrestling, I would have never had any reason uh, to go up and be immersed in the culture of those communities uh, certainly gives me a greater appreciation for, um, you know, the quality of life that we enjoy in the country. And um, yeah, it's, it was largely like a paid vacation. <laughs> so you're saying that WWE is never going to do a one shot up in the middle of nowhere, Winnipeg or Winnipeg, sorry, nowhere, Manitoba. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think it's far below the threshold of uh, what they would entertain, for sure. Now, you talked about having a long career. When did you start your career, Vance? I started uh, right out of high school. Actually, my debut match was uh, about a month before I graduated high school in 1993. Uh, and I, had, I originally got interested in wrestling. I was a big fan as a kid. 
And when I was about 15 years old, there was a local independent uh, promoter that brought a wrestling show to my high school. And of course, being a super fan, I was super excited. I was hanging out after school, waiting for the wrestlers in the ring to show up. The promoter, uh, you know, showed up with the truck. I'm excited. This is like the greatest day of my life. And uh, asked if we could help to haul the ring in and set it up, which is like, now that I've been in the industry, like music to your ears, like, ah, uh, <laughs> somebody wants to help us out with the hard labor. Uh, so my buddy and I helped him haul in the ring and set it up. And uh, then he was going to go and grab a bite to eat before uh, all the wrestlers arrived and the action started. So we waited for him to leave the building and my buddy and I jumped in the ring and, and started messing around as, as teenagers will do. And I guess he forgot his jacket, his wallet was in it. And he came back in and saw us in the ring. And uh, I thought, oh, we're going to catch hell. So we got out of the ring right away. And uh, the promoter's name was Mark Charles. He was very cool and calm about it. And he said, oh, you guys uh, want to wrestle? Uh, I said, yeah. He goes, you think you know how? I said, yeah, you know, I watch it every week on TV. I've got a pretty good idea how this goes. And he just climbed into the ring very calmly and said, well, come on up in here then. And... Uh, in about three seconds flat, he had me uh, in a pretzel hold. You still want to wrestle? And I said, uh, maybe not right now. And uh, he let me go uh, without significant damage. Uh, but the seed was planted. And about a year and a half later, I called that same promoter. Uh, and he put me in touch with a trainer. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Now, uh, people who do know you know you're very big on the training aspect and the fundamentals of wrestling itself and you actually over the years have been a part of many training uh, facilities and a trainer for many companies uh, how important is training for wrestlers these days because it seems like a lot of wrestlers who break in on the backyard uh, route or hardcore route and try and slide into smaller companies how important is the basics to you I think it's you know never been more important uh, you see the high-risk style of wrestling there's more serious injuries guys having to retire at an earlier age uh, because of the risks that they're taking. Uh, but there's so much that can be done. And you take a look at the long careers of someone like Hulk Hogan, who made the most money, took the least risks, uh, and it, you know is widely regarded as one of the most successful wrestlers of all time. Not one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, <laughs> and, uh, but wrestling is a business. And so would you understand the tools of a business, uh, no different than any other certification you could go and get. If you want to be an electrician, you go and you train at the best school to learn the skills to be an electrician so that you can troubleshoot any problem you're going to run into in the field. And that's the importance of the fundamentals. You get out in front of a crowd um, that isn't responding to what you're doing and you don't have anything in your toolbox to, as a go back to, uh, now you're going to escalate your situation versus de-escalate. Uh, and get yourself into a more dangerous predicament than if you knew what you were doing. Excellent, excellent. Now, now, just to be clear for people who are wondering, when you said you were growing up, we're of course talking in the Manitoba area is when you, you first started this training and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It was, and it was a great environment because you know the 1980s in Manitoba, you had the AWA out of Minneapolis uh, was the mainstay. They had a monopoly on the Winnipeg arena. Mm -hmm. Their deal there was... Uh, no one was allowed to promote th within 30 days of their date. So nothing 30 days before or 30 days after. And then they came to Winnipeg every 21 days <laughs> and essentially locked everyone else out of the Winnipeg arena. Uh, when the AWA uh, started giving way, 
uh, and they lost their monopoly, then we got the WWF at the time. So we were getting the WWF, uh, you know, in the, in the AWA's time slot, AWA switch networks, we were still getting their feed from Minneapolis. And then we also had Stampede Wrestling. Uh, and every now and then, if you had the right, uh, you know, TV cable package, you could also get wrestling out of Montreal or Vancouver. But there was an abundance of wrestling and, and different styles and different varieties. And then you had local promoter, Tony Candelo, uh, who had his own local independent show on television, uh, who started to partner, you know, look for alliances. So for a while, he was partnered with Bill Watts, uh, UWF mm. promotion. Uh, and then out of Atlanta, the NWA promotion. So you were getting those influences on TV and just an exposure to this wide array of wrestlers. So it was a fantastic opportunity as a fan, uh, you know, like now, where mm -hmm. you know, now there's so much content on cable stations and also through YouTube and, and online venues where you've got this plethora of influences if you know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you bring that up because uh, as, a, as a guy who's been a wrestling fan and watching uh, a varied amount of wrestling in Western Canada itself, um, it's only now that I'm realizing the, the kind of richness and, 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 uh, and the history coming out of, out of uh, Winnipeg itself. And even now, Winnipeg has still got, I, I believe, quite a few promotions and quite, quite an active scene, uh, although it may not get as much uh, wordplay as like some of the other places in Western Canada, there's still definitely an active things going on there. Um, now, right now, you, uh, you still are competing. You, we're going to fast forward a bit. Now, you said it's been over 20 years. You competed for yeah. over 20 years. You've traveled across the Canada many times, obviously, a, a bunch of championships. And I mean, I'm sure just even if you can rattle off even just a couple of the main uh, things that I know you have some great things out of Western Canada, some pretty big records. Yeah, you know what? I've I've really enjoyed my career. And now to date, I've I've wrestled in more than fifteen hundred matches uh, over the years. I had the opportunity to work for some of the legendary promoters like Emile Dupree in the Maritimes, Michelle Starr on the on the West Coast, uh, and and probably been in more little towns, you know, here and in between, as far north as Great Bear Lake in the Northwest Territories. In February, which I'll never do again, uh, but I'm grateful for the experience. Uh, <laughs> as far south as California uh, and, uh, and West Virginia and Tennessee. Uh, so, you know, great opportunities. And um, I think, you know, as I sort of matured as a performer and I would go into areas, uh, you know, Winnipeg, I started my career and I was there for the first eight years. And you sort of reach a point where you become complacent because you mm -hmm. wrestled with everybody, you know, their style, they know your style. And I think Chris, Chris Jericho said the same thing about his time in WCW. Mm -hmm. uh, where he would say, well, you know, tonight I'm going to go wrestle Eddie Guerrero. Well, I know that match, or then I'm going to go wrestle this guy, and I know that match. Um, and in Winnipeg, you know, as you said, it's a very interesting and active scene, but there's so many uh, performers there that are so focused on Winnipeg itself and mm -hmm. the status of being the best wrestler in the city versus uh, what, their, what their status is outside of that little pond. Mm -hmm. And so it was time to get out. And uh, I was fortunate that uh, Eddie Watts, who was a Canadian veteran who had great success in Puerto Rico and Mexico in particular, uh, but had wrestled coast to coast in Canada and Japan. Um, he took notice of me and got me booked in the Maritimes for the first time in 2001. And uh, from that point, my career kind of went national because I went directly from the Maritimes, uh, relocated to the West Coast, where now I was exposed to this whole other culture of wrestling 
not only in British Columbia, but into Washington State and Oregon and California. Um, and uh, and when I got there, you know, I really wanted uh, a fresh start. You know, Winnipeg had been so political, but I could pretty much call my shots and say, oh, well, I feel like I should be in a championship run with this guy. Uh, when I arrived in D.C. in 2002, uh, Michelle Starr said, where do you think you fit? And I said, if it's okay with you, I'd prefer just to work the openers. And I think he thought I was crazy, but he kind of <laughs> said, okay, well, we'll let you do that. And, you know, at the same time, I mean, this is now my new home base. At the same time, I was still taking bookings elsewhere where maybe I was doing like kendo stick main event matches with Wavell Star in Saskatoon. And I'd come home with my forehead all bloody and whatever. And Michelle Star said, you son of a bitch, you've been holding out on me. <laughs> no more openers for you. Uh, we're starting your push to the main event. Uh, and he's always taken very good care of me. So uh, probably my most cherished championship runs have been on the West Coast, uh, first as NWA Canadian heavyweight champion, uh, and then later as a five-time all-star wrestling Trans-Canada champion. Yes, uh, definitely some great runs. And you know what? I want to also jump a little further into your career. You started with the idea of becoming a promoter, and you started promoting in, uh, in Red Deer, Alberta, I believe. Yes. And uh, then – you had a kind of a dream that maybe some people think was insane. Some people thought could never happen, but you had a dream to make a national company. And to do it though, you had to do it some way that nobody thought was possible. So describe what the whole dream was behind CNWA and what was, what it was meant to be. Sure. So how the, how the conversation really began was I ran into a television producer named Fred May. Uh, who was based in Olds, Alberta. And Fred, uh, some diehard fans may remember Mayford Productions was the production company behind Stampede Wrestling. And he was the producer. I mean, while Stu Hart gets all the credit uh, for being the wrestling promoter, it was actually Fred that got Stampede Wrestling into syndication in the 80s and got them their national TV contract with TSN and these types of things. So uh, Fred uh, had, a, had a deep passion for the business and we had just started promoting local shows in central Alberta and Fred sort of found out about us and I went and had a meeting with Fred and, you know, he sort of was reminiscing about, uh, you know, the CNWA brand, which was actually was his answer when Stu Hart decided to fold up the tent at the end of 89. Uh, and Fred still had a weekly commitment to TSN to produce wrestling content. So within a short turnaround, uh, the CNWA was born and, and Fred was still promoting a weekly program for the next year. So as we talked about it, I said, well, you know what, wrestling, if we could get television at this independent level, that would be a huge help to us. And Fred said, well, I think if we can put a product together, I can shop it out and get national television again. So if we're now dealing with national television, we need to look at all of our rosters very, very honestly. And, and critically, when you look at any one single independent roster, you usually have sort of four to eight really great wrestlers on top. And then you have guys on the bottom that, you know, nice guys, either they're at the start of their career or the end of their career, they just can't run anymore. Or they're the uh, weekend warrior type who just yeah. go for the weekend fun. And that's fine. There's a place for them. But if you're speaking about national television and the opportunity to get exposure at that level, we need to take a look at putting together a roster that is the cream of the crop from across the country. All right, guys. Wow. Interesting start of that interview. Yeah. You know what, guys? Before we go into AEW, let's talk T-shirts for a second. 
Let's Talk T-shirts. WPOV Wrestling has four T-shirts available right now, four designs that uh, they're hot. They look cool. They uh, Check them out on Pro Wrestling Tees uh, backslash uh, WPOV Wrestling. Uh, $19.95 each. You know, support us. Daddy needs a new pair of shoes, buddy. I need some shoes. I know that. I- I'm working off no shoes. You know? <laughs> uh, and and has been doing two shows. His eyes are getting bad from looking at the computer screen. He <laughs> needs glasses. <laughs> Elio. Elio. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> shh, shh, don't tell him that. <laughs> and Elio, well, he's still in recovery, but he may need some emergency alcohol. This is your chance to support the people. My cabinet is empty. Well, we haven't used that shtick in a while, eh? <laughs> Anyways, fans, check them out. Four designs. All the money goes into the site. You know what? It takes a bit of money to run three sites and uh, three shows. Uh, and plus, don't forget, we got quarantine. We got a fourth show also, uh, our YouTube show, where you get to see how, well, truly ugly uh, we really are. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, you know according what? According to Rick, he's the best looking. What's that? According to Rick, he said he's the best looking out of the group. Yeah, Rick would say that. <laughs> Rick, what's his name? Richard Durango. Richard Durango the <laughs> second. He would say something ridiculous like that. Anyways, um, folks, check out those t-shirt designs. And you know what? I don't know if you heard this, Ant. Word on the street with our hundredth uh, episode coming up, there might be a launch of a global t-shirt. Nice. So, whew, we'll have to check that out. All right, fans. Let's get into AEW Dynamite. Oh boy. Oh man. <laughs> Dynamite! As you could as you could hear, I, I wish you guys could see this like quarantine, but right now Antoine's got his you know finger up like swirling it around like big whoopee shit. Like, it, yeah. it was not the best outing this week. And uh, let's get into this crap. Let's let's uh it's not total crap, okay? I mean we've I've if you've ever watched old WCW Nitro, there was some dreadful dreadful shit or thunder. Yeah. I'll try some oh, thunder episodes. You want some absolute shit. But uh, all right. So we're going to open up. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. All right. So uh, we they uh, what was kind of nice is the message of solidarity. Yes. That came up with the thing. I thought that was uh, I thought that was a very classy touch. You guys agree? Agree. Agree. Yes. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be said. I think, I, and I don't. It's not in the same vein. You know what annoys me right now is when you, you see these things like uh, McDonald's or Wendy's like, together in these hard times, we can do this, you know? Okay, you sell fucking hamburgers, all right? I get it. You're trying to sell right. shit. Tell me it's important. I don't think that's what AEW is doing here. They're actually taking this forum to tell people, you know what? We have a group of people. Uh, we have uh, very many, there's very many races of people on AEW. They're, they're, they have a full representation of people there. And it's good to have that solidarity message with things going on. I dug that. I was actually expecting that, hoping that, and I was not disappointed. So I, I did enjoy that. Um, it was weird. Was it weird seeing Vicky Guerrero? <laughs> I thought that was kind of odd, seeing her in the crowd there when they did the around the thing. But uh, all right, we start off with, uh, ah, man. Did anyone for one moment think that... Uh, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc had any chance of winning these belts. Like, honestly, guys, no. even watching this match, no. did they look like they could have beaten Omega and... Uh, and, uh, and, of course, and, of course, Jimmy Havoc had to go back to his uh, stupid crap uh, with the uh, weapons and stuff. 
Yeah. Um, I lost I lost Adam Page's name there for a second. But yeah, <laughs> Page and Omega defending against uh, Sabian and Havoc. Uh, Ant, you want to start this one off? So the match in itself was okay. It was an okay start. It wasn't anything that wowed me. Um, even with Jimmy Havoc involving weapons, okay, a monkey wrench, that's one thing. But a hacksaw for what? Like, we're not going to see a wrestler actually take a saw and cut through another wrestler. What was the point of that? Yeah, when, yeah. I, when, I, when I heard uh, ha- that he grabbed the hacksaw, I'm like, wait, what? Well, even, come on, look at the size of that wrench. If you hit someone in the head with a wrench that big, maybe you've watched Dodgeball and you think that's real. No, you're going to kill somebody. Right. So uh, once I, I, my big problem with this, uh, Omega and Paige looked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabian looked good, but man, Havoc looked way out of place. He did not look yeah. like he really belonged running with these guys. And even his shitty, um, let's use some uh, weapons and stuff like that, just came off with him looking just, he just not did not look good. Okay. And I, I gotta say, you know how they say characters are an extension of the person? Uh-huh. Jimmy Havoc does not look like a guy I'd want to hang out with. He looks like a scumbag I'd be up in high school <laughs> playing Dungeons and Dragons, to be yeah, honest. Just like, I, just like, uh, whenever I see this guy, so like any match with him, and he brings down any tight team partner that he teams up with. He does. He does, because he, does, he can't run with them. I'm sorry. Um, guys, oh my lord. <sighs> Do you guys oh. really think Sean Spears' career is going to be revived because Tully Blanchard <laughs> gave him a fingerless black glove? I was I was about to say, speaking of inanimate objects, so you mean to tell me Tully Blanchard brings this airtight briefcase, if you will, into the limo, mm-hmm. and this is supposed to be the missing ingredient that takes Sean Spears over the top, and we see a fingerless black glove. And so I saw some references on Twitter to the Black Jack Mulligan, Barry Wyndham, things of that nature. And I'm like, you really want me to believe that a glove is going to get Spears over the top and he's going to be the next coming of Black Jack Mulligan and Barry Wyndham? Well, I would also say we could hark it back to uh, Tully himself in the mid-80s. Uh, very, very, very rarely, but he did okay. like, on a couple occasions. But okay. mostly, t- mostly it was Ted DiBiase running through the area that time with mm-hmm. the loaded glove. He okay. was the guy with the glove a lot All too. Right. Um, yeah, when I saw this, I was just like, you know what? <sighs> this is what when, when bad writing comes in because you know what they could maybe because I'm an old school wrestling guy that could have been done so much better. Um, and they could have incorporated the glove and made it something without. You blew it all with the whole wind-up to not enough payoff. So, mm-hmm. uh, so have they given up on uh, finding him the perfect tag team partner or something? Yeah, I pretty think he said that. Didn't he say yeah, that? He We've given that. up yep. on Yeah. Um, really, guys, old, old school wrestling sometimes works better. And really, if they had just – maybe they incorporated the glove into the gimmick and had him get some legitimate wins over even some, some um, you know, like Pineapple Pete and guys like that. You could have made that something, but – there is no way you can live up to the hype of all they did, and then it was just a freaking glove. I like the Sean Spears. I, I like the Sean Spears network, and then we get this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, Brian Cage coming out destroying a nobody again. Um, 
What can you say about squash matches? Not much. Don't care. But I uh, also, it felt so stilted and so unrealistic that John Moxley would just come into the ring, say a few words, and then hop out. No pull apart, no physical contact. Just, I got a few things to say, and I'm walking out. <laughs> Very much against the character of John Moxley from how he's been portrayed in yes. AEW. Had a problem with that part of it. It's not the actual setup, but when you convince me that this guy is the wild card, he'll do anything, and then he just goes in and is Mr. Gentleman and drops a few things. I don't know. And is it just me, or does does Brian Cage's head seem extremely small to his body? Like he's got like <laughs> maybe it's just his hair, facial hair, but something about that guy's got a weird ass. Right? Head. Oh, I was gonna say. I was gonna say the botch Wolverine uh, uh, mutton chops <laughs> did not help. <laughs> no. I don't know what to say that. Okay. Uh, they should go in the book, actually. Oh. And are you putting it forward for the book? I, I am. All right. Elio? They're calling it Brian Cage's Botched Mutton Chops. No, I like right. the, the Botched Wolverine. Botched Wolverine Mutton All right. Chops. Brian Cage's Botched Wolverine Mutton Chops. You just made the book. <laughs> well, you know what, though? While we're doing this, I also think that uh, Tully Blanchard's stinky ratted uh, <laughs> black love also needs to go in there because that is just as ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> Elio, got another one. So what are we calling this one? Tully Blanchard's stinky ratted old glove. Okay, Tully Blanchard, stinky old ratting club, you just made the book. I think we're, we might end up being very book heavy this week because there was a <laughs> lot of garbage that was on this episode. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Havoc's wrench almost made it in there, but then I don't want to give Jimmy Havoc play in any kind of <laughs> No, he's already, he's already in the lifer section. Oh, that's right. Okay, um... Um, I'm okay, guys. I need to know what you think of this segment. When they walked up and they had uh, Lance Archer beating on some idiot in the middle of nowhere, and then he just picks the dude up, throws him into a fence. It's so, I don't understand. He's walking around and just beating up homeless people. Like, what was, what was what was that? I wasn't sure what to make of that. That was just weird. I and, and more, more and more. <laughs> The hype of of Lance Archer, aka Jake the Snake's debut promo, and the product Lance Archer that we're seeing, more and more they separate. In no way, shape, form, or fashion do they go in hand. And it's unfortunate, but I'm wondering is AEW already lost as to how to book them? Yeah. Um, I want to say that I really did actually enjoy his actual promo. Okay. Um, I thought that was on point, but yeah, I had a real problem, especially when he grabbed that dude, throws him into the thing, and then when he grabbed him again, my first thought was, is this a relationship like in Pulp Fiction when they had the gimp, the guy who came out? You know, was yeah. this like his? <laughs> I didn't understand. There was some really weird homoerotic thing going on there, and I just was not sure. I just it was very confusing. I, I don't know what to think yeah. of that, and I think it distracted. It was so weird. It distracted. Like you said, it took away some shine from Archer. Mm -hmm. He gets it back when he starts talking again. But then 
I don't know, the whole idea of it just felt dumb. Like he's just wandering around without a shirt on, beating up people in a parking lot. So I, I don't get it. They are not doing good for him. Uh, do we want to see Private Party and Matt Hardy hanging out? Give me the Hardy Party. You know, Hardy, no, no. Hardy Party. <laughs> I gotta say this, guys. Uh, last week was the best that I've seen Matt Hardy in a long time. I, I enjoyed. I enjoy. So if if these guys can revitalize him a bit and make him that much more interesting, why not the Hardy Party? Uh, it sure seems there's a lot of three-man uh, factions forming. Yeah. You think it's time to get out a six-man title? Yeah. Uh, there seems, seems a lot of three-man teams running around. Um, okay, well, so... you know what? Sorry. If six-man tag belts look anything like the TNT championship, <laughs> then maybe we should do that. <laughs> well, you know... If we're, going to, if we're keeping in COVID, they're just going to build one out of wood and uh, a garbage <laughs> panel, and uh, who knows oh, what's going to happen. All right. Um, I'm not going to – they talked about Fighter Fest being a two-week thing. Weird, yeah, but, yeah, okay. two, two nights of event on TNT or something. Yeah, and it's over a, a week, so it's like week one, week two. So Yeah, yeah. Two days. that's what but impacted with the other show. It makes sense, though. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're still in this COVID thing. At least they're giving us an event, right? Uh, okay, Colt Cabana uh, comes out uh, to take on Chris Jericho. Uh, first of all, it was a, I don't know, you know, I don't mind a setup like that for a match from last week, you know, uh, and a crazed Jericho just happens to blame the one wrestler who's in front of him and gives him a shot. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the other guys over at POV can't stand Colt Cabana, but to be honest, when he does wrestle sometimes, he's, a, he's an interesting wrestler. He's different, and he's big. I don't know if you guys notice this, but Colt Cabana can fit in the WWE, which a lot of AEW yeah. wrestlers could not, size-wise. So um, I enjoyed this match. Uh, I love that he went for that horrible Superman roll-up thing and that Jericho caught him and flipped it into a move. Yes. What did you guys think of this one, Ant? Um, I felt it could have been better. I mean, given who they are and their history, I was looking for a little more. I mean, I do understand they're older, but mm-hmm. it was okay. Okay. You know, one thing I'm going to say right now that I have a problem with is uh, this is the world champion, and he's not even in the main event now because they're putting Cody in the minor belt in the main event. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was a little bit like, well, obviously, they don't think much of this as a match, so why should you? You know, that's what you're telling yeah. the fans. The champion puts his belt up, but he's, it obviously doesn't mean much to us because it's only halfway through the show. It's not even the main event. So that, that devalues your, your champion and this match, I think, right off the bat. I think that was a bad move. I get the fact it's Cody's first title defense, but it's a secondary title. I think the world championship. I think it would have been better if we had not had Chris Jericho this week put it to next week or whatever you know and does this mean going forward cody rhodes is going to be the main event every week <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't know how much of that i want to see okay uh what do you think of this match buddy uh yeah they, um this match was okay i have this one as one of my highlights um okay at the end though he called out mike tyson like we you know we know mike tyson wasn't there but we get orange cassidy so did that bug you? No, I'm just not sure. Like, is that where they're going? Okay. 
Uh, you know what I think, guys, is they've made Cassidy interesting in the last little while. I think do not have this happen right away. If you have Cassidy and Jericho collide right away, you kill off the Cassidy character. You've taken this time to build it. I think you need to milk it. He's the, you know, it's not going to be the best match anyways. It's going to be a surprising match probably because, I mean, Cassidy can wrestle. But uh, he's also, you know, like uh, facing Jericho uh, gives him more of a, a guy his size. So I think you have the potential for a much better match. But I think if you give it to us too quick, which they love to do in wrestling here, see if something happens, and boom, next week there's your title champ, and then you're gone two weeks later. That's who? You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I think that it would be very bad. I, I like keep this up. Keep having Cassidy and the inner circle screw with each other for a while. Do not let them collide officially in a match. I don't want to see that for a couple more months because maybe by then you could make it so that even if Cassidy loses, which he is going to, it doesn't, it still makes him credible as an interesting threat somehow. What do you think, Ant? Um, I could, I could agree with that. Uh, like you say, wrestling as a whole, as of late, has been making the mistake of giving us things entirely too soon. Tell us a story, reel us in, and then give us a product. Even if, I don't know, say a couple of weeks down the line, we get Arch Cassidy versus Sammy Guevara at Fighter Fest. I'll take it. But, you know, you don't have to put him in Jericho. You don't have to pit him in Jericho against one another right away. Tell a story. Okay. Uh, you want to weigh in on this one, Elio? I don't want to. I don't want to see this right away. I want to. I want to yeah. see a build up to the match before. Okay. Yeah. Um, Big Swole Ooh. versus Nyla Rose. All right, I get it now. This Big Swole was very impressive to me today. Yeah. Um, she showed a, a lot of power, a lot of poise. Boy, Nyla Rose sure is just man. She's the last swirl before you hit the toilet. The toilet thing swirls out. You know she's. She is not impressive whatsoever. They still keep hyping her, though. Oh, my God. You listen to the commentators. You think you're watching Van Vader out there, but no. Week in and week out, she seems to be staying in the same place. Yeah. Yeah, they like, keep giving her a lot, but... Not, not getting worse, but not getting any better. Yeah. What do, what do you think, Ant? Um, as a Washington, D.C. native, it disappoints me to see Nyla Rose... Uh, you know, be as inconsistent as she is because she's a fellow Washingtonian, but I have to be a realist first. She's just not getting it done, and, and it's evident that that belt had to come off of her. I don't know okay. if she needs to maybe train with a veteran, you know, of, of such girth that they can teach her how to utilize her size better, but mm -hmm. she's just not hitting the mark for me. And how about Big Swole? I like Big Swole a lot. Okay. I like the way she works in the ring, and I hope that, you know, they would give her, you know, a legitimate rub slash push moving forward. I loved her going after Britt Baker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Britt, Britt's Don't like, take that like, from you're anybody. Not right. You're not allowed to hit me. <laughs> um, I got to admit, I never knew what the word swole meant until I've seen this group. And then I looked it up, and we all talked about that. But yeah. just, I couldn't help myself. During the entire match, I was with my son, and I kept saying, Man, Tommy, she's sure is swole, isn't she? He'd be like, I don't get it, Daddy. What does that mean? It's okay, but man, is she swole. Right, so I just had to throw that out there. 
<laughs> but yes, impressed with her, impressed with her going after Britt Baker. Love that Britt Baker is still causing problems. Yeah. Even rolling around, just being an idiot. Um, one thing that Savage is still accompanying Britt Baker. Yeah. Oh, wait a sec. I, I forgot to throw that out. I get it. I'm on board with you, Ant. When I saw her in the tank top, helping her out with the training, I was like, Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm all with Ant on this one. I know things that need to be liberated now. Quick story about Rita. Quick story. <laughs> quick story. Quick story. So I got a friend request or a follow request from Reba on Twitter. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. She's listening to Global and she's following me. And then, of course, today I found out it was a fake account and it was suspended. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Way to get my emotions going. <laughs> Thank God. Look at I just said I'm about liberating something here. Come on, man. Oh, <laughs> Thank God, Jane, real account. Uh, <laughs> I get enough hate mail. Anyways. Um, know, right? <laughs> okay, one thing that's very evident and very disappointing to me, Darby Allen is a shitty interview. Oh my God, he is yeah. bad at this. There's got to be a better way to present him. Don't, mm -hmm. don't take away his mystique. Today, that was just brutal, harsh. Mm -hmm. and you're welcome. They had him on the latest edition of the AEW Unscripted. Okay. Was he so, any No, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard it yet, but I, I'm going to go back and listen to that one because okay. uh, his, his, his weekly interviews are not good. No. Um, I mean, at first, the creepy difference of his things was interesting. Mm -hmm. But just like anything else, if you give us the same pile of shit every week, it just loses its its potency after week three. Mm -hmm. Now it's just the wood weird, boring crap is Darby Allen going to babble about this week. And painful. That kind of interview thing today was just so painful. Like I really, and, I didn't understand with that whole, all that stuff with Taz was like yeah. trying to help him out and he just keeps walking off. Yeah, and then and then it also means do we have to look forward to Brian Cage versus Darby Allen now as an upcoming feud? Uh, Not sure how happy I'm about this one. <laughs> Not sure if I'm happy about this one. Um, okay, uh, the interview with FTR. I actually kind of for the first time in a while, I think I've enjoyed the former revival for the first time in a long time. They came across as a lot more interesting than I've ever seen them in WWE with this interview. Uh, your thoughts, Ant? Um, you could still, you could tell that they're still trying to master the art of cutting a promo. It was evident that they weren't able to speak much in WWE. Like that's the yeah. most that I can ever recall them. You know, or that's the longest speaking line yeah. I can recall them having. Um, I think they really killed some momentum when Butcher and Blade tried to run in on them and then you had all of these backstage guys come in and step in between them. Let them go out and let them go at it. I mean, you know, so much space and opportunity. Let them go at it and, and, and you know, you can run a little program with Butcher and Blade against FTR until we get uh, them the and the Young Bucks. Well, they are supposed to go at it next week, but I, of course, have a feeling that Butcher and Blade are going to get the show to end on the stick. Yeah. I, I did really appreciate the whole bottle thing. I thought that was, I thought it was brilliant to defuse the compass, the thing, and then whip it up again to show you how much of dicks FTR really are. Yeah. Um, I also like Tony Giovanni. <laughs> I thought it stood for... <laughs> it yeah, was yeah, they had to bleep that part out. Right. But why did they bleep it? Because they, uh, earlier somebody said that somebody was a piece of shit. Uh, earlier somebody was going to shove something up someone's ass. Mm. Why all of a sudden did they have to delete fuck the revival? Right. Is it because it was a trademark WWE thing? 
could be. I mean, they, they, they like to trademark everything down there, right? But if you guys noticed, there was a lot of swearing going on, and nobody else I know. was going on. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, TNT has been letting shit fly on AEW since it's inception. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, lots of pun intended. There's a lot of shit flying, especially this week. Shit everywhere. But, uh, <laughs> Um, we did notice it. We did notice it when uh, it started off. Remember, MLW was the first one to dip their toes in when they actually had uh, Selena call uh, yeah, Sammy Callahan a goat fucker. A goat fucker. On yeah. the and then it just seemed like all of a sudden AEW started dropping swears in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'm surprised. Oh, yeah, Jericho. I mean, he said somebody was a piece of shit today. Yep. Tyson. Yeah, so it's like that's <laughs> happening. But uh, yet the only thing they blinked was when FTR. The FTR question was the only bleep. So uh, I think that was strategically done to bring more attention to what they uh, mm-hmm. were trying to say. Um, we find out next week, uh, the, oh, Sammy Guevara versus Colt Cabana and the Inner mm. Circles versus Best Friend in Orange Cassidy. So hopefully that's a slight build. I don't want to see a one-on-one yet. Right. Still play this off for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think about Brody Lee trying to get Colt Cabana to join the shit order? I mean, uh, <laughs> at least Colt will get to dress nicer. <laughs> True. Maybe, maybe, unless he sneezes around Brody Lee, then I'll <laughs> And then, but then the, what if they put, then they'll put him under a mask. We already know we well, No, they got those two guys that wander around. Uh, that's true. Silver and, but here's the thing, know. guys. Do we really want to see Colt Cabana part of this? I feel no, not even, I don't even remotely feel a fit uh, <laughs> uh, as it relates to Cabana in a dark order. And then do you want better? Um, you have Silver and Reynolds and Ten who Brody Lee abuses, uh, uh, anointed as the white knight. And yeah. so, are we over the white knight or the the high knight? Excuse me, are yeah, we over the high knight. knight already? And we're now gonna go with Colt Cabana as the possible. Well, I mean, high he, knight. he did leave. Uh, he did leave the what the high knight to, to get his arm broken by Trent Moxley. Yes. <laughs> but what I what I can't stand about the Dark Order is that they put something to the forefront. And then they snatch it back. Like, show yeah. some consistency. If you're going to promote someone, if you're going to give us some line, like, be consistent in doing so. And for God's name, uh, uh, and for God's sake, excuse me, what is the guy's name that have been doing the Dark Order infomercial since day one? Like, he comes out and tells Coke Cabana, like, okay, yeah, it'll be, like, the best decisions you make. And you're like, all right, yeah. first of all, what is your name? Like, all we yeah. see I mean, that, that, Yeah, that, that, was, that was an evil Uno. Huh? No, 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 no. He's no, talking about the other guy. Know. He's talking about that that thinner guy with the, the thinner guy who, right, right. when this whole thing started, he had on the blazers and he did the infomercials. Yeah. If you're losing in life, right, right. join the dark order. We'll make you a winner. Yeah. Okay, first who of all, what's your name? Yeah. I wonder if they'll mention. I'm gonna have to look it up. I think they might have, but I think he's no one of importance. And that's the oh, problem. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to throw out something really quick here too, guys. You remember how I said? Uh, okay, Brody Lee's a pretty big man, right? Like, did you notice he didn't look all that much bigger than Cole Cabana when they stood next <laughs> to each other? Cole Cabana is actually a pretty big, a big boy. Dude. Yeah, people seem to forget that. Oh, and speaking of groups and gatherings yeah. and stables and things of that nature, at what point 
did the bunny decide to leave the butcher and blade and now become you know the 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 snuckle bunny of qt marshall i don't know but qt marshall's wife must be pretty pissed (laughs) 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 that that just seems that for me is very sad and telling yeah okay i don't mind you having the bunny give the rub to somebody to start a feud mm-hmm. but qt marshall is about as low as you can he's just half a step over pineapple pete yeah uh, when it comes True. to wrestlers importance in this place True. yeah well, i don't really know what to see about qt marshall like it's like you just there's nothing there. I don't know. like no. is it is this honestly a push to get qt marshall and dustin rhodes feuding with butcher and the blade is that what's going on here i'm wondering if that's the case but we haven't seen any more hints towards that like we really yeah. don't know where they're going with it but it's just all this you know it was, it was just inexplicable to see bunny with butcher and blade you know some months yeah. down the line we don't see them for a while and then all of a sudden when she returns she's smitten over qt marshall yeah good call i i don't know what to say to that it's it's bizarre um let's go now to the main event the main event. Uh, Cody Rhodes making his first defense of the TNT title against Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you guys, what a flat main event. <laughs> I mean, especially the first four-fifths of this match yeah. were just vanilla boring. Like, very vanilla boring. Not, You know, uh, things picked up when Cody started bleeding and... Uh, but then things got weird. Things got weird. Uh, Jungle Jungle Boy, who's the eternal good guy, decides now he's going to punch Cody's head open now that it's already bleeding. <laughs> Seemed very bizarre. Seemed heel-ish. Yeah. Um, and it kind of illustrates to me, too, is, man, Jungle Boy is not a main event dude. He is not big enough mm. to be in there with the heavyweights, for sure. Um, I don't know. The whole mat, this whole thing... It seemed really weirdly excessive too that Cody had to had to gig himself that that deep and bleed that crazy for a TNT title match mm. against a guy who he's not even feuding with, who doesn't even have problems with, who even hugs at the end. To me, it was like wow, this is like watching old Dusty Rhodes matches where Dusty <laughs> where he like breathed on his forehead, he bleed everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. like it just came off weird to me. I'm gonna say. Um, Good on Cody for trying to defend the title, but mm-hmm. he's not the most exciting wrestler, and I don't know if I could take multiple every week main events of him defending his belt against somebody. Not sure I could take it, guys. Well, this is where all the fun. Where this is where the fun begins, though. <laughs> <laughs> you got a weird definition of fun. Matt, what do you think of this? Um, yeah, the match definitely feels short of my expectations. Um, and overall, I. I get what Cody is trying to do. I guess he's trying to make the belt, you know, relevant, and he's trying to make it important. I mean, they need to do something as bland as the belt is. They need to do something to make it, you know, uh, noteworthy. We'll see moving forward how it goes, but, yeah, that's where I am right now. Are you looking forward to Cody Rhodes defending his belt every single week in the main event? I won't go that far. Because <laughs> right. that what he said? He said he's going to put it up every single That's week. That's what he said. I don't know how oh. much Cody I can take every single week. And you guys do know who his opponent is for next week, right? Mark Quinn. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So once again, that's an odd choice, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shouldn't he be defending it against uh, villains? I mean, he's trying to be the hero. Right. So interesting. Especially interesting. with there being one villain who concluded the year as the next number one contender for the world championship. And now he's watching from the hill section of an empty arena. Like true, true, true. Uh, last thing I want to say before we end this off and get into our things is what a poor choice to call yourself jungle boy. I mean, it's cool now when you're 22 or three, when you're 30, are you still jungle boy? Do you become jungle man? I, I, <laughs> It seems like a, a gimmick with a short shovel life, if you ask me. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't see a 45-year-old guy calling himself the Laredo Kid. Or, you know, like, it's there's got to be a cutoff point where, you know, you're no longer boy or kid or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, um, I'm going to say overall this was a very below average episode Indeed. on the whole. I can't think of well. I'm gonna say the the highlights had to of just pure wrestling had to be uh, Paige and uh, Adam Page and Kenny Omega, but the people they they fought against didn't make it weren't good enough to make it a great match. Mm-hmm. But they had some flashes of their tag brilliance in it. Uh, like the FTR uh, thing was, I thought the first time I got to at least make. Now I got to see why some people enjoy these guys because I, I to be honest they were. Never really gave two craps about them until today. Uh, lots of bad. There's, I, mean, I can't even list yeah. the bad. I mean, there's so much crap that went on here. That yep. if, if, to, if, if, if we were going to do our measuring stick of our first two entries into the book today, we probably have at least six or seven more entries we could. <laughs> and they'd be on the same level. So all in all, um, I'm going to give this one like a C-. Uh, Ant? Mm-hmm. D, D. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with the D as well. well you got. I guess I was being the the, the optimistic one here. I thought <laughs> so it's good to know because I'm afraid when I first saw this, I thought I know you know we've been in isolation for a long time. It's getting a little depressing that I haven't left my home very much. I'm feeling kind of trapped and locked in. I said to my wife, when we get a final chance, I want to go to the mountains for a few days. I'm feeling really boxed in, and I'm feeling a little depressed. And when I watch this. I was like, is this just me? Like, you know, like sometimes when you're in a bad mood, you can watch the best show in the world. And you're like, oh, that's so, you know, was it just me? But at least I know talking to you guys, I wasn't on the ship by myself. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you know what, uh, folks? Uh, we're g- I'm going to have to watch uh, NXT now. And, you know, I keep hoping mm. that AEW uh, does better. Okay. I know the boys are going to take this one apart on uh, WPOB. Well, AEW won last week. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know if I should admit this, uh, but this is funny. I guess AEW was slated to win cosmically, okay? Because I put in my vote, right, last week. You guys put your votes in after me. I sat down. I didn't even really pay attention. And I looked and I sat down and listened to their show. And then when he said, all right, TJ Logan over at – uh, Global voted NXT, and I'm like, what? No, I didn't. I didn't vote NXT. I loved mm-hmm. AEW last week. I go and click on my thing, and I wrote NXT, even <laughs> though I meant to write AEW. And I'm like, oh, shit. For sure, Tony and uh, Rick are going to vote NXT, and they're going to get the win, and it's my fault because I know you all three of us had liked AEW. Mm-hmm. 
But then Tony swerved everybody. <laughs> so AEW did win. But yeah, to be honest, it should have been four to one because I honestly wanted to put AEW. Well, there you go, folks. That was AEW's Dynamite in a nutshell. Uh, Anyhow, Act, we want to thank you for uh, sitting in. I know you have to take off. You got a bunch of MMA stuff. You got some extra things you got to do. Yes, sir. We want to thank you, as always, for joining us. And it's always great to hear your input. And it's just nice. to I love talking to you two each week because you guys give me a world perspective from literally someplace else in the world for me. So uh, thank you, guys. And thanks for your honesty this week. Uh, and have a great week. And we look forward. Plug, plug the MMA show one more time, please. One more time. That is Mixed Martial Arts Point of View Podcast. And we can be found on Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast, on Twitter and Instagram at MMA POV Podcast, and we can be heard on such streaming platforms as Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and iTunes. Excellent. Well, fans, uh, check out their show. We're going to a real quick break here where we're going to have the second half of our interview with Vance Nevada. And when we get back, we're just going to uh, say a little bit of goodbye, talk, uh, just say our goodbyes, I guess, maybe... Uh, dump on the MLW Anthology show for a minute, and uh, <laughs> we'll go from there. So uh, we'll see you folks back in a minute. Always your pleasure, gentlemen. So let's pull the top four guys out of Vancouver from All Star Wrestling. Let's pull the top four guys out of Winnipeg with CWE. Uh, let's let's pull the guys from all the different organizations that are the best of the best, and let's let's put this together. Now we also need to make sure that when you're looking at developing a national platform, that uh, you can find a way to represent that. And so we actually produced a magazine. We ended up doing, I think, nine issues of a magazine that spotlighted each of those independents, sort of introduced fans in all markets to all of the stars that were being promoted and really gave this larger-than-life presence that really collated uh, all of the information about wrestling that was already happening but made it look like it was synchronized and unified. Mm -hmm. And so if you had a promoter that just promoted the first Saturday of every month, well, now that first Saturday is added onto this promoter's last Friday of every month. And this promoter is every second Wednesday. And all of a sudden you've got a schedule that looks like a full-time touring circuit, which mm -hmm. in essence is really what uh, Maple Leaf wrestling was, what international wrestling was out of Montreal. Uh, dating back to Eddie Quinn, who ran Montreal from the thirties to the sixties, uh, Eddie Quinn didn't run all those towns. He had a local promoter in each of those towns that ran that piece. And then he just made sure that Yvonne Robert and whatever traveling attractions that he had on his circuit that week, were going to make it to that town. So really we weren't reinventing the wheel. We were bringing it back to a very a traditional model of wrestling and we, and it could still work today. If promoters, if promoters egos could get out of the way, uh, because if you take a look at British Columbia right now, there are 10 different promotions operating uh, on different schedules if you could unify that all under one brand you now have an opportunity to make a significant media impact mm -hmm. and that's and that's what we saw with cnwa where here you have this very shoestring budget wrestling organization uh that is member-based somewhat without membership fees like the nwa structure had become in the in the late 90s uh, but now we were getting attention from pro wrestling illustrated magazine and for the first time since Stampede Wrestling in the 80s, we actually had a wrestler, it was Bambi Hall, uh, ranked as one of the top rookies of the year in their magazine. 
Mm-hmm. The, la- the last time that would happened was in 1987 when Chris Benoit was a runner up, uh, you know, and, and even more significantly in that category, uh, only ever once before had a woman won rookie of the year and it was Medusa Michelli in 1989. Mm-hmm. So here we have Bambi Hall, you know, 15 years later being the first Canadian to be recognized like that. You know, our champion, Bobby Sharp, had so much visibility and so much press as CNWA champion and his picture with the belt in those magazines and uh, was able to parlay that into opportunities to wrestle in California and Los Angeles. Based on this hype uh, that we were able to get people to believe about CNWA. And, And even after we closed, probably for about two or three years after, whenever anybody would reference any of those wrestlers that we had been using in that time period, they would always drop CNWA in there. Because, mm-hmm. it had, because it had created such a significant impact. Um, and, it, and I think the same is true of wrestling now. We've got so many promoters out there trying to do their own thing, believing that their creative ideas are better than anybody else's. And Winnipeg, we see that now more than anywhere, mm-hmm. where you have uh, CWE who, that is really working hard to establish this idea of a venue where wrestlers could work full-time solely mm-hmm. from wrestling. Uh, so they do the long tours. They do a lot of shows in between uh, to keep guys busy. Uh, but then you offend somebody creatively or they don't feel like they're getting pushed hard enough or they feel like maybe their pay was a little bit light. So now they're going to go and they're going to start their own thing because, <laughs> because they know how things are going to be run. And so now they're running shows using the exact same talent in the yeah. exact same town. Uh, so now you've got four promoters all basically sharing the same pool of talent all feeling like they creatively are, are the next Vince McMahon. Uh, and it dilutes the product where, you, you know, this guy is a bad guy on the south side of the road, but on the north side of the road, he's a good guy. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't work, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And, and because there's no coordination among all the players, nobody's getting rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by all means, good luck to you. What the hell do I, what the hell do I know? Well, I guess dealing with all those promoters must have been sort of like um, juggling chainsaws with squirrels or something like that. It seems like a pretty hard thing to deal with so much ego. You know, when we started it uh, and I said, this is the concept, we had a lot of naysayers that said, Vance Nevada will never get nine promoters to agree to anything because you can't even get two promoters to agree on mm-hmm. the same topic. Uh, and what we found, you know, that that hook of national television was the hugest uh, leverage because no one had had television in a significant way. There'd been a few local cable shows that had popped up from time to time, but nobody had uh, the opportunity for a national platform. And so when you say, here's what we've got, we just need to do what we do. We just need to continue to produce wrestling shows. We need to develop wrestlers and let the TV guys do their thing uh, and they'll get us a national platform. So where things really started to fall apart was we were two years into the program. We were no closer to television. We were getting no answers. We'd had no meetings. Uh, and then uh, the message that we were getting is, well, we're reaching out and we're talking to networks, but nobody's biting right now. And the final straw was when uh, Legend City Wrestling out of Newfoundland landed a deal with NTV that saw them in syndication from coast to coast. Yeah. And, then, and then the promoters started to say, hey, you know, if this guy is really so in touch with wrestling television and, and knows his stuff with the television industry, uh, he really missed the boat on this. And, yes, no kidding. 
and then interest interest started to wane and promoters started to to drop out and say you know we're no we're no longer going to be part of this organization and and so you know i'd say we died it died a quick and merciful death we sort of saw the writing on the wall and said you know what it's time to fold up the tent you know what fans uh, one of the interesting things is we could almost do three different kinds of uh interviews here. We can interview uh, Vance Nevada, the wrestler, the promoter. And one thing I'm going to talk, uh, talk about right now is uh, Vance Nevada, the author. Now, Vance, you have always been, and, and, and as far as I've known, and we've even had conversations about it, you've been a historian of wrestling across Canada. You, uh, you dig deep, you find the numbers. And I mean, you're a hard, hard historian. You're not just the guy who collects a story here and there. You actively track down, record, categorize, actual matches, actual history, to which culminated in your first uh, very big book. And, and I believe it's called uh, Wrestling, um, Wrestling in Western Canada. West. Yeah. Wrestling Canyon West. And uh, great book with a lot, for, really appeals to people who really want to dig into that information. Uh, is that something you still do? Are you still, uh, still on that? Yeah, you know what? Uh, even right before this interview, I was still digging into research and uh, you know, I joked with my wife and she didn't really enjoy the joke that, uh, you know, when I started this 26 years ago, had I realized how much work it would be, I probably wouldn't have started. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, my collection of, of just event results uh, mm -hmm. is now over 4,500 pages uh, of material. And it goes mm -hmm. from 1876 to the present from coast to coast in Canada. Uh, lately, I've spent a lot of time focusing on uh, the 1940s and 50s in Montreal which were the early days of Mad Dog Vachon, uh, uh, Pat Patterson, uh, some of those characters that came out of there. Um, and it really started early in my career. You know, when I got into wrestling, you know, like, like many teenagers, you think you know everything about everything. And uh, one day uh, we were doing television of the Chalmers Community Club in Winnipeg. And the commentator on one of my matches had made a reference to a wrestler named Frenchie Champagne. Uh, I said, yeah, Frenchie Champagne, he was a big deal in the 1950s, pioneering wrestler. And I thought, this guy can't be that big of a deal because I'm 17 years old and I know everything there is to know about wrestling. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it got me curious. And so in 1994, I went into the Manitoba Provincial Archives and started digging. And I'm still digging. And the hole just keeps getting bigger, bigger and bigger. Uh, I think I probably tracked uh, over 50,000 wrestling events from coast to coast in Canada. Now, can we expect more books, more historical books, uh, bringing up data like this? Yeah, I think it's, you know, one of the things that uh, sort of inspired doing wrestling in the Canadian West was that whenever people talked about wrestling in Western Canada, they talked about Stu Hart and Stampede Wrestling. Mm -hmm. And there was so much more to the story. Uh, Stampede Wrestling represents about one third of mm -hmm. all the wrestling that happened in Western Canada. It's a huge piece. Uh, but it's only a small piece. Well, it's only a piece. Yeah. But the Vancouver Territory was also huge, you know, and they were running the same kind of schedule that Stu was, where they were running, you know, five, six nights a week, both sides of the border. So we, let's track that down. And let's, let's talk about some of the independence and, and particularly post-territory era, where people know very little about what happened in Canadian wrestling after Stampede Wrestling closed. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the beginning. Uh, and, you know, I've started, and now there's been some more historical projects. Pat LaPrade and Bertrand Hebert out of Quebec have done a lot of books about specific stars and specific uh, the Montreal territory. Uh, but I haven't seen anything really substantively on Ontario as a whole uh, mm -hmm. or the Maritimes as a whole. And uh, so I've, I've 
starting at the very early stages to dig into research on kind of a follow-up to wrestling in the Canadian West that would look mm. at being a national professional wrestling almanac. Wow. And you know what, for anybody who, if this is the kind of funny thing, because for any time you ever talk about history and wrestling and, and, and the exact, uh, yeah, exact minutia of it. Some people may act like, oh, that, that's nobody cares about that. But go to so many websites, and uh, this day in wrestling is probably one of the most popular uh, things you'll see. People are curious exactly what happened when and what happened with who. And I don't know how many times I, every time I find those kind of things, I look back and I like to relive my heroes of what they did times before I even started wrestling. So it has been a very interesting thing, and and but but a lot of work to track that down because. I know I couldn't do it, so so bless you, brother. But uh, now you are still selling this book, right? Uh, just, yeah, the just, Canadian West one. I guess. Still copies available. It was published through Crowbar Press in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So if you go to crowbarpress.com, you can still get that book. I think uh, now it's been on the market for eleven years. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's deep discounts as they want to clear out <laughs> the remaining inventory. Uh, so that would be my recommendation. Go to crowbarpress.com. Scott Teal. Uh, was my collaborator on the project and uh, it wouldn't have seen the light of day without him because uh, okay. he, because he's passionate about wrestling history as well. And you're still wrestling currently right now. Yeah. Back in action. I took five years off uh, at the tail end of the CNWA. I was having some trouble with my neck. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, walked away uh, for the good of my health and uh, uh, over time when you're not getting dropped on your head and, and body slammed and drop kicked, like the body started to feel good. Uh, and so, uh, uh, it was actually Danny Duggan, uh, in CWE that had kind of introduced the idea that maybe there was still a little bit of gas in the tank and did mm -hmm. a little bit, did a little bit of, uh, touring with him sporadically over the last year. And then when I returned to the West coast, uh, it was very welcoming homecoming to all-star wrestling, uh, and Michelle Starr's organization and, uh, very glad to be back in action and and uh, reminding people that Vance Nevada is still a hellraiser. Now, a lot of your, just if I remember correctly, a lot of your neck injuries really came to light uh, during a series of matches you had with uh, then NWA world champion Adam Pierce, where you actually won the belt and it was taken away uh, through uh, some political problems the next day or two. Uh, but that that is probably one of the, was that one of the culmination highlights of your career was the whole series with uh, Adam Pierce? You know, definitely if, as a fan, uh, you can appreciate, you know, the significance of the world championship and, and also on a personal level uh, came to deeply respect Adam Pierce as one of the last true traveling world champions. Uh, the NWA had become largely regional where if you look at who the NWA world champion is, uh, I mean, now it's getting a little bit better again. Mm -hmm. uh, but for a while, it was largely, well, if the champion lives in Texas, that's where the world title matches are going to happen for the next year. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Adam Pierce was out of San Diego, and he was regularly traversing the globe. I remember, uh, you know, he was sending in uh, promos from his hotel room on a tour in Australia uh, for coming into a tour of Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. And you really, you know, despite all the ego that exists in professional wrestling, when you actually get in there with someone that is a master of their craft, you, it's really a humbling experience for you to realize, oh, wait a minute, I think I'm pretty, I'm a pretty big fish in my little pond here, but this guy, I understand, you know, in the first three minutes of engagement, mm -hmm. why this guy is a world champion. 
Well, you know what? The uh, last thing we want to do is let's throw out some uh, media stuff out there. Where can fans find stuff about you? Where can fans look you up, talk to you, book you, whatever kind of things? What kind of uh, media would you like to send out today? Well, I think the, the easiest way for fans to connect with me is through Facebook. You can, I'm easy to find. I've got a profile on there, Vance Nevada, uh, on Facebook. Uh, and I try to keep fans up to date on some of the projects that I'm up to or some of the matches that I'm, uh, I'm going to be involved with. Uh, you know, even though we've been in this uh, COVID shutdown, we've still been very active in the studio. We were actually just in studio on Sunday, uh, taping a series of interviews uh, that are going to be aired through the All-Star Wrestling social media channels. And that's also on Facebook at ASW Canada. Uh, so I I'd encourage people to keep an eye out for those as well. You know what? We want to thank you for taking the opportunity to talk with us. Uh, good to know your career is back in gear. You may not be uh, 100% going, but at least you're active again and you're out there doing stuff. And you having a good time still? I absolutely am. Uh, I think it's uh, if I wasn't, then then I wouldn't be involved at all. Well, uh, and and I mean, we've just gone through a whole interview, and and I didn't even bury anyone. So I think. For, <laughs> What? Records. Is this Vance Novet? No. <laughs> Anyways, folks, that's just an inside joke with me. <laughs> but uh, we want to thank you for coming on today. And uh, we look forward to finding out more things you're doing down the road. Absolutely. My pleasure. And that was the end of our uh, second half of our uh, Vance Nevada. What an interesting guy. You know what? He's going to be appearing with me on this week's quarantine. Oh, yes. Uh, ironically, with Andy Anderson, who we oh. had on uh, last week, yep. uh, we're going to be talking to AWA Wrestling with Tony Diaz from WPOB Wrestling. So, fans, check in this week's quarantine. I know next week, the following week after that, I know you're going to be weighing in a little bit about this one, too. Uh, I don't know if you'll be weighing much about tomorrow's uh, AWA, but I'll ask you. You know, you don't have to. Don't feel like we already got a bunch of people coming on the panel. But I've seen uh, some stuff. Like, I saw two of the matches that you had uh, mentioned. Uh-huh. Although um, the minute, the, there are a lot of minute rockers and uh, Rose and Summers matches. I wasn't yeah. sure. Which, I wasn't sure which one I'm supposed to be watching. It was an extremely bloody uh, that ended up. I think it was in Las Vegas. Okay. And, uh, because they all have the they all have dates uh, next to the title. Yeah, I'll have to look that up again for you. But anyways, we'll go over some of that. I know next week. I, I, do, I did see the Road Warriors versus the High Flyers. They bloody yes. got me up bad. Oh, yeah. Did they not destroy him? I yeah. even felt bad. It was so realistically done. It was like even he got up and he was attacking the guys who were trying to calm him down. Yep. That was great stuff. We're going to talk to AWA Wrestling uh, on quarantine. I know yep. next week we're going to be talking a bit about, I believe, uh, the Royal Rumble 92. Oh, yes. Yeah, and I know we'll have you. Rick Serrano is going to be on that one. And I think I might have another wrestler who we have never had on the show, a friend of mine, uh, who will come on and join us with that. Okay? Okay. So, uh, you know what? Let's talk a really quick time about MLW. Okay? MLW Anthology. Um, started off the first week really good. Enjoyed it. Liked the premise. But I got to say, it has fallen flat the last two episodes. And... Not a fan, not a fan. Uh, when you can take somebody, you have all this, um, as a great example, episode two, you have all this great footage of um, Mance Warner. Yep. Including some really brilliant, uh, fun interviews and segments he did. And all he give us is two hardcore matches really did nothing to show anybody why people really love Mance Warner. Uh, thought that was so poorly thought out. 
Show us some Casey Lennox the backstage interviews with the whiteboard where he was like laying out his plan. Show us that uh, incident with the beer being thrown on yeah. Selena. You know? you know, like it was very, very slanted, did not like it. Yep. And then they did it again with Loki. Last week's episode mm-hmm. with Loki, this week's episode with Loki. You did not get anything out of there except the Loki's arrest. I mean, if that's the point, you might as well just be watching ROH or um, any other company, NXT, NXT UK, you know, they yeah. just showed you the best of more current wrestlers. They're just showing you now best of old wrestlers. That, that, that first match was uh, really uh, weird and that felt out of place for me. Yeah. So I'm just going to say this is anthology. Uh, why not uh, have the guys that you're interviewing are, are focusing in, have them send in a, a taped interview of a little bit of stuff that they've done. Did, and then show better packages of what these people have contributed as characters. They didn't mention what next week is, did they? Yes, they did. So, oh. so, so, so oh, I can never, it's our new Japan guy, Kojima. Oh, that's so, right. Satoshi Kojima. Kojima. So, Satoshi Kojima. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I tripped on the word Satoshi. It's been so long since we've done. It's been so long since we've done New Japan. I know. I, I miss New Japan. I miss it very much. I watch New be, Japan. I, this would be the time while I'm at home with lots of time to be showing me five-hour freaking New Japan <laughs> right? new cards. I'd be watching it, you know. So, but uh, MLW anthology really needs to work on some stuff. It's it's yep. not. It's kind of losing its interesting factor, and I'm not digging it. Not digging it. Uh, anyways, you know, really good uh, week of wrestling for, yep. for AEW. It was good talking to you guys. We're in the midst of such a weird thing. You know, we have this pandemic going on. Now we've got all these race riots breaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the damn, uh, what were those things? The murder hornets didn't turn out to be so bad. Um, I don't know what's next. Uh, exploding volcanoes, asteroids falling, Sodom monkeys. Who knows? Who knows? This year has been the shit. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we just want to say, you know, what people usually we want to always say, take care of yourselves out there because with this whole COVID thing, still it's still out there. Uh, we want everyone to keep safe, but at the same time, you know what? Also treat people better. Like fuck, man, be better. There's no point in in some of the garbage that's going on right now because it's it's there because we've allowed it to happen. We've allowed. Uh, uh, racist thinking and, 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 and immoral practices just permeate and become just second nature. We let it become acceptable when uh, we've let it to the fact that, that, that the cops can, uh, the three cops can put their knees on someone's back and kill them is, is not considered to them. It, when, when, when your society becomes to the point where your police officers don't bat an eye about murdering a guy in broad daylight who isn't even making a move, that tells you that something is wrong systematically at its roots. This is the time now for change, I guess. Yeah, I yeah. hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't get more violent. I've but, been seeing. I've been seeing a trend here because, like, since all this happened, you know, how they have that one section on Facebook where they have like the videos, like really yeah. random videos. You see a lot of this stuff, like wait, cops, like stopping people. Yeah, there's a lot. A, like before, there was like this certain uh, random topic now that all this is going on you see all these cop videos then there's like i don't know what's next well when it's when it's this widespread when there's this many videos when there's this many incidents and this many people dying that tells you at the root of it there are problems that have to be addressed and this is the time it isn't the time to go out and, and riot and do these things but it's the time for you as a citizen 
to exercise your vote, to exercise your power, to make change for everybody. It's time for us to be better people, you know? And sadly, if that doesn't happen, it's just going to get way worse. So for all of us here at uh, WPOV Global, we want to thank you folks for tuning in. Wherever you are, whether it be in isolation, whether it be uh, in fear of rioting and things around you, we care about you guys. We love the fact you listen in. Hopefully we can make you think, we can make you laugh, maybe enjoy a little wrestling. But no, we think about all of you, we care about all you guys. We love you and uh, we wish nothing but the best for all of you. If you go out and if you go out wear a mask, because people that, that don't like to wear a mask, how do you explain Halloween? Yeah, and hey, this is the time to rob stores. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. What? Well, you know, everyone's wearing a mask, man. I mean, last time we went to Costco last week, my wife made me put on this mask to go in there, and I was just like, all right, get the shotguns. Whoa, this isn't a robbery? Why are we wearing a mask in broad daylight? What's going Oh, yeah, COVID. Nah. <laughs> Folks, have yourselves a great week. And uh, Elio, yes, say goodnight. Say goodbye. All everybody. right. Thank you. Talk to you all next week. Thank you.